welcome to Slacker Moto Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles and the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Slackers. Brad, how you doing? I am doing great. It uh, It's a little bit uh, overcast, at least the last time I was able to look outside. But, uh, you know, it for, for me right now, we're recording on a, you know right before the weekend. Uh, I know this comes out later than that. But anyway, uh, it's, so it's kind of exciting. I'm going to be able to take a little bit of a break and uh, enjoy the weekend. So I'm excited. Going to be doing a little bit of motorcycle work. So I can't complain about that. Not quite on the bike that I think most people are thinking about, but... Need to replace the tire on the uh, V-Star. The front tire was badly worn um, on the outer edges. I think I was cornering maybe a little bit hard. So <laughs> needing to um, replace that front tire uh, earlier than I anticipated and maybe take it uh, easier uh, riding it. But, but so I'm going to be trying some glass beads and uh, for the balancing beads and, uh, and uh, see how that goes. I've never done that, but I know others have, including yourself, Addison. But, uh, so I might have to be uh, consulting with you a little bit on that. Oh, dude, it, it's easy. And, you know, I, I was a, a believer in the technology, right, when I first implemented it. First time was on the, the Stripple here uh, when I did my own tires. And because, you know, it just seemed more... Technologically speaking, the ability to dynamically balance that tire seemed much more efficient and much more correct than me just throwing it on a, a, a stationary wheel balancer, right? I was basically going to get a high side and a low side, um, but it was going to be difficult to uh, to really get it right. And I think the beads worked a little bit better. No, that's interesting. So I guess there was some, uh, I, I want to get into what, how you're doing and everything as well, but just because we're on this topic, but I was curious, you know, we talked to uh, uh, Ryan and he had some legitimate concerns like, okay, so, uh, and, and so I've been thinking about that as well. There are concerns that we don't, you know, you obviously don't want to have a flat tire. You don't want to have to do a repair on the side of the road. You don't want to have to deal with any of that. But I mean, what... I, and I know a lot of uh, places will not repair tires, so most of the time this is somebody having to do their own. How does that plug affect the ability of these beads to function correctly? You know, I, it's hard to say. I haven't seen really any data on that necessarily. Um, but from a logical standpoint, right, it, it seems that, especially if you're using a simple tar string plug, you know, it, it's going to build up. You'll get the beads that kind of stick to that, that internal portion of the plug. And they'll sit there, and you'll have a slight heavy spot right there. But I don't believe you put enough beads, especially on a big tire like yours, my rear tire. Uh, you know, they're big enough that you put enough beads in there. Two ounces of beads, they're tiny little beads, right? They're, they're, they're not big to where you're putting in five beads, so once all five get stuck, oh, well, you're, you're now heavy on one side. So you'll get some of that, but you'll also still have some rolling around to where I just don't think it's an issue i wouldn't I guess the run the way that i perceive it to your point so okay so yeah i mean there's a little bit of the stickiness the glass beads are going to get stuck to it okay even if a bunch gets stuck to it that's the heavy spot now it's going to be balancing that it's going to be balancing in the multiple areas or wherever yep. it needs it right the rest of them are going to go there but 
What I anticipate would also be an adverse effect of having the plug is that the beads are actually contacting it, which is making it non-laminar. So it's a turbulence to the ability of the beads to find their um, their homeostatic, like like their ideal location. So what does that, I mean, I, I just see it maybe taking a little bit longer, I guess, for it to sure. um, get to the point where you're balanced while riding. I can get on board with that statement. I think that's that's very fair. Um, but to the same point of having a, a plug in your tire anyway, you know, where that comes into play is when you start hitting top speeds, high speeds, you start being really aggressive. And quite honestly, if I've got a tire that I know has a hole in it, although I tend to run that a little longer, especially for trips or, or highway riding or around town, I'm probably not going to do a track day on a tire that I know has a hole in it. I'm probably not going to yeah, really push I think push that's myself. a very, like, very few people are even going to consider that. So I think I completely get that, and I get your argument with that. But, like, how is it going to affect us as um, daily riders or weekend warriors or whatever you want to look at it? Um, are, are, a lot of the times, like I said, I made this point that a lot of companies, like you go to a normal uh, tire shop, and they don't want to repair motorcycle tires they just want to replace them right so but but a lot of us are like man that's for me this front tire i'm replacing is 80 bucks so the, if i get a flat next week and then the next week like i'm like i, I don't want to deal with that but i also want to be safe so yep. you're saying that you would ride this tire the way it is with these beads and the plug in it and not even concern yourself with it unless you're going to a track day is that what i'm hearing no, unless I'm going to ride. A gr so I guess my point isn't necessarily that I'd ride it infinitely from there or run it to the down. I mean, realistically, if we talk, you know, without lawyers in the room kind of a conversation, we're going to see that, you know, likely the only adverse effect is you're going to get slightly uneven wear and or a little extra wear on the tire in a complete honest conversation, right, without the legal implications. Now, when we're talking, you know, safety and all of that, that's not necessarily true. There are higher risks. You've now added a new failure mode. You now are at a higher risk. And so really what I would likely do is finish out whatever I'm doing, right? If this happens on a trip and I'm a thousand miles from home, I'm not going to hunt down the nearest tire shop and pay an arm and a leg. I'm not going to ride as hard for the rest of the trip. And I'm going to change it when I get home because I've used enough plugs to know that they hold air. And even when they have slight problems, you know, you're losing two PSI a week kind of a thing. It's not like it's leaving you with a flat or an exploded tire. Right. And I think the big thing that you're going to notice when you're riding, if there's an issue. So, so there's one thing, there's two different uh, issues that we're talking about. We're talking about riding with the plug. And then is that actually worse now when you are using the balancing beads and how that affects the balancing beads? So in general, riding with the plug, right, uh, you know, that you have the tendency to have some concerns with with that in general, like potential leaks and that you're now what, however your bike was balanced, the tire and wheel was balanced initially is going to be thrown off because you just threw in an extra piece of mass in a single, single location. Sure. The, ad the additional area that we're talking about though is balancing beads and how that's affected. I think that what we're trying to say though, is that, uh, you know, in the event of your tire being plugged, that you should probably, you need to get that taken care of. If you're going to be doing anything, you, should, you know, short term, you're probably okay to finish out a trip. Just be cautious of what that looks like. Now, if you throw in balancing beads and now all of a sudden, because neither of us have experienced this, and this is something that maybe other listeners can chime in on. But uh, what I would anticipate is I'm going to be really caught. I'm going to be actually paying attention to my bike for a little while. 
And, and why I say that is, and, you're, and maybe you don't need to pay attention and the bike will tell you pretty pretty quickly, but if it's having a problem keeping that tire balanced and it's all out of whack, you're going to feel that. And that's going to be driven up through the handlebars. It's going to be maybe a little bit more erratic. It's going to be like your tire isn't balanced at all, like your rim's not balanced. So I foresee that being the one like telltale sign that I need to stop somewhere on this trip and I just need to get this taken care of. Sure. Yeah, 100%. If, it, if it's clearly unsafe or clearly unstable, then yeah, then, then I will look for the nearest shop and pay whatever it takes to, to get home safely. But right, right. in most cases, it's, it's you know, it's a really, you, you're going to have a change with, with the plug in general and likely even slightly exaggerated with the plug and beads. Uh, but, you know, those, those, the noticeability of that really comes into play at the extremes of the tire, right? Extreme right. heat, extreme cold, uh, extreme speeds, and extreme forces. And in your normal day-to-day commute, you're right, traffic, just riding around, you're likely to not experience anything. And so that's kind of where I'm not that worried about it. And I'll, you know, when I get a new tire, I'll throw more beads in it. And yeah, it's slightly more expensive than, uh, you know, then weights on a tire. But at the same point, you know, I, I do from, from at least the theory of how it should work, I do believe that it will increase tire life a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and so the only issue is, is if you're going to be doing really low speeds, but then doesn't even need to be balanced. How does that affect it? Right. So I'm interested to try this out because this was actually, the tires were balanced, um, by my dad, he he started changing his own tires, and he's gone through several tires on this bike in the fifty five thousand miles that he's had. I think every six thousand miles he was having to oh, wow. tires, right? Whether it was the front or the rear or whatnot. Um, so uh, he he went through quite a few, and he would balance them himself. But he was using the attachable weights. So obviously, I'm going to remove those before I do these balancing beads. And, and before I even get to all of that, I got to still remove the old tire and then put the new one on, right? So I got a good amount of work going on, and including the weekend that's coming up. Uh, it's uh, probably not going to, I'm not going to get a lot of time in to um, make it, uh, to make it completely uh, done. But I really want to, I haven't been riding it for the last week and a half and it's really driving me nuts because I know that this tire is, is bad. It's down to the wear bars and it's slick enough that I don't need to be on the road with it. So I'm, I'm really just wanting to get this taken care of. Yeah, I'm I'm I am excited to go through this process because the last tire I swapped out was with you and it was on a riding mower. Dude, that, that was, a, was a bear. That was a bear. That was, yeah. I think I benched that one up never do it again. in the process of doing that. Well, good thing I had good ones because they, they lived and I've now done many a tire since. But I know, I know. But they were slightly, they were slightly, it was noticeably off. When when they break, I'll, I'll, I'll know who to send the bill for the new ones too. Yeah, Motion Pro. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's you know I it's not easy to do your own tires. It's it's definitely not uh, you know, not a not a simple process with regards to the amount of work and 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 strength required. But it's also really not that hard. Yeah. So I did, I bought some, so I had one spoon, which wasn't enough to do the work. I've got some rim protectors that my dad gave me. Um, and then I'm going to take, and uh, I did order a couple more spoons in the process, just so that way I could uh, um, make sure I had enough tools to, to get the job done. I anticipate I'll be doing this moving forward. I, I'd considered maybe getting like a, 
a, a stand for the rims. But it sounds like, I mean, really, I I was looking at what is readily available easily and not super expensive. I didn't think it was anything more than what I could do on a pallet in the back of my pickup, right? So so I, I think I'm just going to run with it the way I have it. I just go with four by four blocks. Yeah, that was well, yeah, yeah. I've got I've got a means to do it. I, I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to run with it, get it done. But yeah, you'll be fine. Let me know if you need help. I've done it a handful of times. Okay, I appreciate that. So, how about you? We didn't get into what you did. I know that we're kind of dragging on a little bit today, but uh, how how have you been doing? Oh, not too bad, man. It's been a, a good couple of weeks. I've been able to ride both the the dual sport and the the triple a few times. Um. Nothing too too long, but the opportunity to at least get out and, and fire them up and, and get some time on two wheels. So that's been really good. And then otherwise, one of the, the longer rides was out to uh, to our highlight of the show here, right? And was able to, to get out on a Saturday night and catch the one moto show. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. So so did you did you make it out um, with the chicken hawk as well? So did, yeah. The, the Chicken Hawk was there. I got to uh, spend some time going through all the bikes, through the art, uh, through the vendors, uh, through the demo vehicles out front. But really, there was, uh, you know, for, for the restrictions and for how, I don't know, how big last year's show was, it was really cool to see kind of this conglomerate of how the show used to be mixed with the bigger sponsors and vendors that the show now has. I really thought that this was possibly the best one moto show I've been to. Really? The Now, I will also say that there were a lot of repeat bikes. I think a lot of people were either strapped or busy or stressed or name all of the reasons that people are, are kind of having a hard time during the pandemic. Um, you know, so there wasn't as many new unique bikes. I did see a few bikes I'd seen in years past, uh, just kind of repeat out. But that being said, there were also a number of excellent customs that were new for this year. So it, it didn't really deter. It just made sure we had a full room. Right. Well, and may, many of them may be locals and that, uh, that maybe they've been coming to all of them in the last few years. Sure. Just, it's more noticeable this year when it was a different venue, a little bit more open. Uh, maybe a little bit smaller as far as the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I wasn't able to make it that uh, that weekend. It just didn't fall playing the cards right. But uh, I'm glad that one of us made it. So I'm definitely uh, ready to pick your brain a little bit. So you said starting out from uh, from outside, like if you rode your motorcycle in, you got free parking, right? Yeah, free parking right next to the venue. And and quite honestly, every year I've been via motorcycle, with the exception of the Coliseum last year. You know, the motorcycle parking is the first intro to the show, right? You People don't show up with, I mean, I guess people show up with what they're riding, but most people that, that can are showing up with pretty awesome rides. So, you know, just, just parking and walking through the other bikes there in the parking lot is, is a fun little intro to the show in and of itself each year. Sure, sure. Okay, okay, so then you're outside, you're seeing all these bikes. Was there quite a few? Uh, there were a lot. A lot of people rode in Saturday. You know, I think Friday was a little, you know, a little more northwest. Um, had a lot more rain on Friday, but Saturday by the Saturday evening had cleaned up. Uh, I think most of the day was pretty good, if I remember correctly. Um, and so, yeah, there was a, a lot of bikes there uh, parked. And then, you know, you kind of walk up past that and right there, just between the show and the bike parking, which was just the lot next door, 
um, is where you kind of had your, your vendors. And really, it was three three big players uh, from a motorcycle manufacturer standpoint that were doing some uh, some demos. Now, we had uh, zero motorcycles with all their electric vehicles and a pretty awesome fleet, quite honestly, of electric really? vehicles. Okay. Um, Indian had a fleet there, which was primarily scouts and FTRs. A couple of other cruisers in the mix, but that was definitely what they were pushing, which makes sense for the one show. Kind of been uh, that way for the last three years, at least. Yeah, sure. And well, usually in the show, right? They had the challengers before and some other options, but but uh, yeah, this was very much from a demo perspective, scouts and, and FTRs. Um, and then there was also a uh, I don't know if newcomer to the market's the right word, but uh, a different type of vendor there or a, a demo, which was Archimoto. Right, which they were there last year, um, just remembering this. We actually looked at, there was no demo, but we were looking at the at one of their, I don't know if you'd call it a bike car thing. Anyway, you uh, maybe you can get into a little bit of that and what we uh, detail it as, but some sort of a, a, a utility vehicle. And so they had one on show, on display, but you're saying that they actually had opportunities for you to demo these. So, so, so okay, okay, okay. So there's three different companies there that you were able to potentially demo on, and how many of them did you demo? So I demoed the Archimoto. Um, what? It was a, yeah, it was an interesting experience. Granted, the, because of restrictions and everything, it, it was not very actively run, let's call it. They were doing runs, very much scheduled, very much pre-planned, uh, you know, at least Indian and Zero, right? Um, very much, if you wanted to skip some of your time in the show, you could go ride the bike. Um, right. Well, I and, you know, I probably could have shown up a couple hours earlier and had some more time to do that and maybe should have done that. But at least in the way that I showed up about 30 minutes before I was able to get in, due to the COVID restrictions in Portland, uh, it was very much a scheduled entry and a intermittent entry for everyone. So it wasn't just crowds of people all at once. Uh, they're doing a pretty good job of making sure everybody was following the regulations and being an outdoor venue from there. Um, it was pretty good. I mean, really. So the demos were not part of the show. Like you were going by these demo uh, stand staging areas Correct. before you gained access to the show. Yes. So, so this I was, could have you know, ridden my bike there without any tickets and demo. Right. If I, if I, if I wanted to, I mean, I could have drove there too, but I mean, without anything, you could have just rode your bike there. And demoed and not had any issues. And, and that participated in three separate manufacturer demos, yes. Okay. Okay. So, okay, so this explains why you did not do any demos because you didn't want to and you really wanted the Archimoto. Um, well, so the, the one that was readily available and really right out front, because I had 30 minutes, like I said, to get in and, and do it. Uh, was out front was the the Archimoto. So they had, um, you know, three, they were all the same vehicle, uh, but three different colors of vehicle out front. Um, and I also have to say that they've changed significantly since last year. It was very utilitarian last year, which which I had no problem with. And it still is very much a utilitarian trike, let's call it. Um, you know, a trike for a car driver to, you know, it's almost a gateway drug for motorcycles. Uh, it's kind of how it felt. I, it's so um, much more different, though. I can't describe it using that. I don't think that's a fair description, uh, but but I see what you're saying. Yes, it's well looking up. Uh, oh, sorry, well looking up. Well worth looking up. Uh, and it's just A R C I M O T O. Um, but they, uh, yeah, it's basically a tricycle. 
uh, more of the, uh, you know, Can-Am, no, sorry, less of the Can-Am, more of the, uh, the Polaris or, you know, Morgan or these other non-tilting trikes, um, Persuasion, but it, it's got a lot more car value to it, right? A windshield, a roof, not necessarily doors. I think you can get those as an option or it's coming. Um, but it has, you know, it's got a handlebar instead of a steering wheel. Oh, and yeah, they tried it with the steering wheel too. They did it with the handlebar though. Yep. They did it with the handlebar and it's got, you know, the brakes are on the bars and then there's a foot brake for emergency stop because the brakes are actually regen braking. It's an all electric vehicle. Right. Um, right. it was, it was fun to drive actually. It was pretty cool. Uh, I gotta say that, you know, there's certain potentials for torque. It's clearly a utilitarian vehicle. I could see that the potential in it uh, to really cause problems uh, around the neighborhood or or have maybe too much fun is definitely there. And I don't know if these were, you know, tuned or set up in a mode specific to allow people not to hurt themselves. Um, but there was definitely, you know, a, a, a tame ramp up to top speed. However, you know, it, it, it was easy to figure out. I mean, it took one quarter and I think I had the thing dialed in where I could have ridden it anywhere. You know, I, I was impressed with how easy to use it was. And, I mean, compared to a car, it was still way more fun. I mean, that was awesome. Okay, okay, yeah, until you're riding that or driving it or whatever you want to call it. And I'm not trying to put it down. I'm just saying, like, how do we, how do I find a use for it? And I guess I haven't quite found it yet because it's not really the best for commuting. Is it going to be as much fun after 5,000 miles of driving it, riding it every day? Uh, you know, I don't know. Okay, more importantly, though, did you, uh, one, did you did you see Promo Bell? I did not. I assumed catch him there. They had a few other people. I assumed he would have been there. Um, and then, <laughs> and then uh, secondly, uh, would you buy one? If I had a business... Uh, that was running deliveries or using it in a more of utilitarian purpose, I think I would. Whoa, um, whoa, 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 whoa. So what size deliveries are you actually going to be able to do? So with it, it's got a few options, and they actually have a couple of other ones that I could see in their in their pamphlets and on their website. Um, but, you know, for now, you can basically have the entire back section be one large compartment, uh, which allows you to really, you know, load anything the size of pretty much any Amazon box you're going to get that doesn't have to be pallet delivered. Um, so, you know, if you had an auto parts store, right, they're always running the Rangers around. Mm -hmm. If you were just running parts from one auto zone to another down the road or down the, to the next city, that's a much more economic and much more fun way to do it than in the back of a Ranger. Um, you know, things like that, or, or even, you know, last mile type deliveries from, uh, you know, from whether it's the post office or I, I understand the purpose. And the other thing that they really heavily market for, I notice on their site is for emergency vehicles. Um, you could have kind of a small two-person EMT with all your equipment in the back of it, because instead of being a motorcycle that has, you know, a couple little side bags, now you've got basically a big giant trunk space that's that's much larger. Like a PC-800? Um, yeah, basically, but a PC-800 that, that uh, yeah, <laughs> that's not too far from it, probably, with regards to the amount of space on a two-seater. <laughs> um, but again, if you have just the one-seater, you then have the entire back seat that's also storage space or custom-built to hold and support whatever you need in there, right? So if it's an EMT type situation or first responder, you know, you can get down a, a walking path with it because it is really thin compared to a car being a small trike. Um, you know, you can go in areas and get through to places that might be harder for the for the the 
ambulance to get to. And so I understand the marketing of it and I understand the purpose of it. And if I had an industry that that needed something more specific to that, right, where you don't really need a sprinter for deliveries, but you want something economic, you know, that I think that there's a lot of value in it. Now for a private vehicle, similar to most of my conversations with electric vehicles in general, it's just not going to go the distance that I need it to. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll do freeway speeds. It'll get you from point A to point B. And if I were like in school, uh, it'd be great. And I know that one of the new things they're doing and had advertisements everywhere for, including these three vehicles were part of this fleet are actually in-city rentals by hour. So kind of the Zoom car or like the scooter rentals we've got in a lot of these bigger cities, if you need a little bit more space or to take two people, uh, you know, you can get this electric vehicle that you can then run around the city for an hour, which I, I do see a value there. Right. Okay. Okay. So it's all fine and dandy to, to hear what we had to say about it. I mean, who, who did you talk to there? So I talked to a couple of the, there was one of the sales individuals and then a couple of people I think were just contracted to support for the day. Yeah. Um, well, why don't we cut to, to hear what they had to say? No, I, I should have. <laughs> no, that, that's a good point on this. Historically, we've taken some interviews and gotten some of that information. Um, this year, just due to restrictions, I thought, you know, let, we'll have our thoughts on it. Yeah, you'd we'll, have to we'll be have in discussion. the bubble. I know I'm giving you a hard time. I made assumptions there, but uh, uh, just teasing you a little bit. I'm glad that you got to talk to him and you got some names, though. That's good. And uh, it is really cool. When, when we talked to him last year, and, and I know I'm referencing a different one, Moto Show, but they were really open to answering questions and I was kind of flipping them a little bit of a hard time, but you know, I'm interested, but at the same time trying to like see actually how does this fit? How does this fit in society and what are they, what niche are they trying to fill? And, and I think you've done a good job uh, describing that and upholding what they talked about last year. So very cool. Glad that you got to go ride something and you didn't total it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was fun. Uh, it was pretty cool. I, I, I had a better time than I thought I would quite honestly riding it. Um, I wasn't really sure what to think because it is kind of that right in the middle of a motorcycle and a car. And so I, my brain was, you know, a little confused as to what I would actually, what it would feel like in, in, in real life. You know, I've seen them before, but to actually get in one and ride it. And, and it was, it was very fun. Uh, so like I said, if I were on a vacation to Hawaii, Florida, somewhere real warm and, and sunny, and I don't want to be in, you know, a, a Honda Civic, that would be a way better rental vehicle for a trip like that, where I'm not going to go all that far. It would be a lot of fun. Right. Now, so did, did Murphy go for a, a drive too? AKA Chicken Hawk. Murphy, that's a new one, man. Yeah. I didn't, I I didn't know where you were going, but he did. Yeah, we each took separate ones. They kind of walked through the controls and, and, and the nuances from a bike versus car. It's kind of got that hybrid of both. Like I said, it's, it's this weird mix of everything uh, that makes it pretty easy to learn, but but still enough that you have to think about it when, uh, when you first try it out. And he liked it? I think you had a good time. Uh, they were they were pretty responsive. It was it was fun. Okay, okay. So we haven't even got into the one moto show, but you got to go at least to the demo that they had demos in general this year, which was a first. I've never seen that. Really awesome. I, I would have been all over trying to get onto the zeros. I may have not even made it into the one moto show as much as awesome that would be just to be able to go and ride a, a zero might have been cool if they had opportunities. Um, but if I can pry you away from your house, I'll get you on a zero anytime, man. We've got we've got the setup here in Portland. Well, then let's do it. Okay, okay. So then you uh, you make it in. They check your temperature. I'm assuming they let you in the gate. And what what's going on? What do you see? So from there, it's a, it's a big open, basically shipbuilding house, right? It's a it's a giant giant not even warehouse. It's a giant hangar for shipbuilding. 
Um, and a big open air outdoor environment, uh, perfect for the weather on Saturday, right? It was nice and sunny, but not hot. So, I mean, I just kept my moto jacket on and, and walked through. And initially, just like the last couple of years, right there in the front is about six custom Indians. Woo! So, okay. Okay. So I'm not surprised, but, uh, anything new, anything surprising, anything that you wanted to get your legs over? I mean, the FTR was out front last year. Is that what you saw this time? So these were, were definitely on the, on the blocks. They weren't to be sat on or, or played with. Yeah, um, and they were, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. From a customization, it was, it was a lot of paint. I mean, these things were really beautifully painted, but it, that, that was kind of the gist of these custom Indians was, you know, high price paint jobs. <laughs> Okay. Okay. They they look great, but nothing. You know that wasn't. It's a new bike. You know you could you could buy one and and fork out a lot of cash to have that recreated without too much effort. You know. Oh, so these are not. Uh, these would have been uh, custom, actual custom paint jobs. These aren't ones that you could actually purchase. Correct. Yeah, they were. They were like they commissioned. You know, and I don't know the the names of the painters. So I won't, I won't throw anybody else out like there. Air, these were airbrushed with things on them or was it Basically, just like handy airbrush, pinstriping, you know, okay. matte colors, just really high end paint jobs. Oh, okay. Okay. You sure, know, sure. going to a classic car show, looking at your, uh, you know, your beautiful paint. That That's really what we were looking at there. Okay. Okay. And the Indians at least. Sure. Okay. Well, so that was the Indians and then, and then you're in the facility now, I'm assuming. So we, yeah, from there, really fat, past that first little group of, of bikes, I mean, the show really started and it, it was primarily, you know, like I said, it's a big hanger, enough to, to put like a barge in. So you can think of roughly the, the width there, um, you know, probably 50 yard width. So on one side, there's a line of bikes on blocks all the way down from the front to the back. Uh, and then there's a group in the middle and then there's a group on the left is basically what it had with a couple of offshoot rooms. Now on the left, uh, left side of the building, all the offshoot rooms were basically art or there was like one room of bikes and, it, you know, half of them were steampunk bikes. And then a handful were were old uh, BMW airheads. And it, it didn't really have a necessarily a rhyme or a reason to that room other than they were definitely all older bikes. But that's, you know, a lot of what we see there room. anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one room with extra bikes and then otherwise there was, you know, custom painted helmets. There was some merchandise and, and art and custom things all over the wall in some of the other rooms and all the way running behind the bikes on either side of the building. So Right now, when you first started talking about the show, you were talking about outside. You said that there were the three vendors. I think you were just talking about the ones that were doing demos. But I'm assuming there were vendors throughout this uh, One Moto Show inside of the barge hangar. So once you got about halfway through, there was a door to the outside on the right side if you're looking from the entrance down. Uh, and from there, there was a, a line of vendors on one side of the tracks. That's where the tracks for, for material delivery for that facility come. Um, sure. And so there was vendors on one side and food on the other. Oh, uh, okay. And then kind of a big pavilion with, with social distance tables and a, and a fun uh, RC motorcycle course that was set up by Icon Motorsports. Okay. Okay. So right. just kind of to paint the picture of what it looked like. I know this is a, a terrible way to, to try to create a visual medium. Um, you can definitely check out uh, Facebook and Instagram for our photos of this. I've got photos of kind of the venue from front and back. Um, and you can see the, a little better what we're talking about. But that, that's more or less the picture of what it looked like. 
Okay. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. Okay. So did you, uh, you mentioned the Icon uh, RC motorcycle course. Did you do it? Uh, I did not. Uh, actually, despite not having fun with the RC bikes, um, was eating some food, just hanging out there for, for a little bit and uh, recognized a voice that was playing with it. And actually had a really cool opportunity to run into Motorcycles and Misfits. So, Oh, no way! That's awesome! Yeah. If you're listening to our podcast and you don't know who they are, go check it out. That's the name of the podcast, Motorcycles and Misfits. Uh, but had a really cool opportunity to talk with Liza, to, to meet Bagel, Emma, a handful of the crew, um, and really talk a little bit about their Recycle Garage, a little talk about podcasting in general, uh, and then probably one of the highlights of the show, if not this conversation, uh, or probably the other way around, highlights of the conversation, if not the whole show, um, was having a, a private tour of Miss Emma's bike. Uh, she did a GL, uh, an old Goldwing that was just fully customized and done in such a way that if you don't know what you're looking at, you would just think it's a perfectly restored Goldwing. Um, which was really cool because it had a lot of stuff on it that if you don't look, you just won't even know because it was done so clean. Um, but that was really cool to sit and actually, you know, talk with Emma about the build, about everything she'd done, um, about the amount of work that went into it, uh, about all of that, uh, was, was pretty cool. No, yeah, no, to your point, uh, looking relatively soggy, like obviously you see it, it's got pink, it's sparkly, right? I mean, it, it looks very clean and shiny. But it took me actually sitting there for a little bit to go, oh, it's got a cold air charger. Oh, it's turbocharged. Oh, like there's some pretty cool things about it. And I didn't even get to look at very many pictures of the bike. He just sent me the one. Uh, but it, it, it was pretty awesome that you had that opportunity and got to talk to them um, and uh, and kind of see what's going on there and, and get a private tour of the bike. That's uh, that's pretty cool, man. That's awesome. So, yeah, definitely shout out to, to Motorcycle Misfits and their crew. Uh, super nice. It was really cool to just sit and have a conversation and just, you know, feel right at home chatting with them and, and chatting podcasts and the amount of work. And I think they're doing a, a similar cadence we are where they didn't necessarily do a lot of interviews this year just because of, you know, restrictions and trying to be safe and, and, and respectful to the situation. Um, and so, yeah, it was just fun to sit and chat with them for a minute and, and have that opportunity. It was just, it was funny, you know, just sitting there and it was Liza playing with the, uh, the RC cars and just that laugh. I've listened to their podcast enough that it was like, ah, I think I know who this is. <laughs> and that was, that was pretty cool to, uh, to have that opportunity to chat with them about, about kind of this thing we do and they do, and we all really enjoy and love. So did they tell us to just give up? No, they, uh, they were pretty, pretty good about kind of different things that they've learned over the years. We, we swapped a couple of stories and, and advice and really a lot of it was coming from them. I mean, motorcycle misfits been around way before we started, um, and, and quite honestly, they do a really good job and, and it's very fun to listen to. It's kind of a similar form of, of banter back and forth, but just with a few more people. Um, sure. so if you go to them, please come back to us. Still love us, but, uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was really cool to, to have that conversation and, and, you know, see that in our area, right? They're, they're a little further south with regards to their base physical audience. Um, and so it was, uh, it was cool to, to just kind of see that all over the world, we're all kind of pushing the same motorcycle community and trying to, you know, build up riders and, and those enthusiasts that, that listen. No, that's really cool. Okay. So you, you got to look at them. What else did you see? Like, what were some of the other highlights? Let's see like top three bikes that you saw. Now, 
I can tell you that, that one of the highlights for Chicken Wing, and I don't know why, seeing as this is a motorcycle show, but there was a replica Batmobile there. And man, he was in love. He uh, he spent a lot of time staring at that, getting pictures with it. So uh, kudos there. You, you may see a few of those pop up here on, on Instagram and Facebook as well. But um, we'll make sure to... to is this the same one that's been at the Moto Show before? Has it been there before? Yeah, we, when remember. we were at the, the Pickle Factory, there was the Batmobile there. Oh, maybe. Maybe a couple years back. Yeah, that, that might make some sense. Okay, okay. I'm just making sure I'm following. So he got he drooled all over that, huh? Drooled, got himself in the in the driver's seat for a picture. It was it was pretty cool. And I got to say that as restoration, I guess not restorations, as uh, replicas go, you know, it was pretty good. I mean, dash, wheel, seats. Uh, it was it was impressive. That no corners were cut. Okay, well, that's cool. I'm glad that he. Uh, I'm glad that the hawk got uh, got to enjoy that. I guess. <laughs> Kind of a fun highlight there that, that we got to look around at that. Okay, but so that was his highlight, and you've already mentioned one bike that you, you thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, but aside from, from the Goldwing there, Miss Emma's Goldwing, there was a, you know, a handful. I mean, there's always so many bikes. It's really hard to pinpoint. I've got highlights and uh, and pictures and things that, that starting next Monday, they'll be the top five uh, within Sakamoto on Instagram as well as the Facebook page. But uh, you know, within these, there are just there's some awesome bikes. You've got a oh, lot whoa, of whoa, whoa, whoa! You're talking about a the the five bikes rule, right? When you're saying the top five, are are you actually going to provide a list of what your uh, five bikes would be? No, I, I forgot we were going to have this discussion. Good, good call. Um, maybe we should wait till after. But <laughs> I've put you on spot twice in two two minutes. It won't necessarily be the five bike rule, but my favorite five bikes of the show. It doesn't necessarily check off all of the uh, possible needs of riding, but man, I am a proponent that if uh, you know if you're looking at an expensive multi-trick pony, or for that matter, one-trick pony for an expensive bike, you can get five low-cost bikes that'll check off those same boxes, despite what uh, some articles on the internet might tell you. Okay, okay, that's too vague, but. (laughs) <laughs> we were indirectly called out about a five bike rule uh, last week, and and I still think that it's valid that, that you don't just need one bike to do everything. Can you your one bike do everything? hundred percent. We talked about that in in the last podcast. But man, if you're gonna buy an expensive bike, just get five low cost bikes and enjoy all facets of motorcycle. Yeah, I don't think that they're ever gonna take that. I mean, Dennis would argue that he has the perfect bike, and he's not even the one that no. calls out. I'll even call him out that, that he has more than that bike, though. I know. He's not I'm doing a track day on that bike. a bike that can do everything. He's not doing a track day. He's not necessarily going off-road. He's got, you know, he's got to have the, the other bikes to check off the other boxes. Yeah, well, and, you know, but he got a new bike, and it is a sweet bike. It's a, what was it, a, just to, to announce it since we're talking about it, with it he, got, he got a BMW GSR 1200. Is that correct? Something to that effect, yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the 1200s, 1250s. Sorry, yeah, 1250. I lose track of the BMWs at this point. They've got so many little submodels. But he was really excited. Went up there and got that. Uh, I've seen a few pictures of that. Pretty exciting for him. Uh, he 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 was uh, he'd been talking about that for a while and looking at getting something and and just uh, pulled the trigger and went and got it. So congratulations, Dennis, on your new bike. Uh, 
assume that it's the perfect bike for you. And so um, that is cool. So I'm looking forward to going back to our discussion about the One Moto Show. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you saw there for your top five bikes. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll post pictures. But, I mean, just to kind of name off, there was a couple of awesome bikes. There's a There was a Yamaha TW200 that was, I mean, super wide tired out, super balloon tired. It looked really cool, really aggressive. Um, there's always a couple of GL and or CX500s that, you know, I'm a sucker for. Um, one of them was, was pretty interestingly custom. I mean, the seat was hand carved from wood. Really cool, but uh, you know, I don't know that I'd want to ride that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna just say like that doesn't sound. No, I mean, if you're just gonna ride it a couple miles, maybe. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, beautiful, but but seems uncomfortable. Uh, there was a cool uh, old '97 Triumph Scrambler that was basically a Triumph dirt bike. I don't know that I'd really seen one in person, so that was pretty cool just to find and and, and look at. Um, you know, a couple of who was it? There was a, a KTM 1190 that was crazy custom. Um, it looks like it's from Radicate Racing, but that one was was pretty impressive. The, all the amount of accoutrements and how they basically how they did it. It, it looked really cool, really futuristic, really well done. Um, that was a highlight, definitely. Uh, there was a, an old BMW Airhead that that was pretty cool. It had been through a couple of trips. Uh, I guess this one hadn't. A previous iteration of this had been through a few trips uh, internationally. I believe it was from Brooklyn down to Ushuaia, down to the southern tip of, of South America. And so then they got a new one and or reused it. I wasn't entirely clear on it, um, but completely redid it for only the things that were absolutely necessary for an upcoming Africa trip. Oh, uh, wow. Which was really cool to see an old, like, uh, you know, an old 800, um, was it the R80? I don't know if that's an 800, but the R80 show up, uh, you know, completely customized, but purpose built for this upcoming trip. I thought that was a pretty cool, you know, build because a lot of these, similar to the conversation of the wooden seat, right? A lot of these are are to park and leave and have people drool on. This one clearly had a, a very real use that required, you know, what it takes to build a good bike, right? Not only is it beautiful, not only is it functional, but it's reliable. You know, it, it's pretty cool that, they went through all the effort to make, in essence, the perfect cool vintage bike to do this trip on. I thought that was a pretty cool, pretty cool option there. I really enjoyed staring that one down and, and listening to the builder for a minute. That that was cool. He was there, kind of talking through the bike. I thought that was neat. No, that's cool. So there, you saw you. So you, I mean, obviously you saw uh, motorcycles and misfits, but you saw a few of the builders. You at least got to hear them talking, kind of walking through what they had as well. That's that's a couple of builders, cool. couple of owners. Had the opportunity to, to, you know, walk it around that. So that's probably my highlight of the whole thing is, you know, there's always cool bikes. Every one show is just one of the best best shows in the country. I'm, I'm going to argue that and, and you can come at me with whatever your favorite show is. And we may find out that, you know, they're, they're similar enough to be just as good. Then they're both the best in the country. But the one show is a really good show for bringing, you know, bootstrapping, from the ground up, a lot of small builders, a lot of big builders, you get the whole gamut of custom bikes at the one show. And I really enjoy that. But with the restrictions of COVID for better or worse, you know, through a lot of other things, it made it so it was so much more open and you could spend time on the bikes. And a lot of the people that, you know, weren't rushing to get through their little time because it was time. You had your, your two and a half hours 
to get through everything. And it was a pretty big building. So, you know, you were making some pretty good time. But those that were kind of hanging, it was clear to see who the builders were because they weren't, you know, running from bike to bike. They were standing there. So you could easily have these conversations uh, because really there wasn't much else to do in Portland this week, that, that weekend. But everything was kind uh, of shut down. Shut down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was cool. So the, the builders were hanging there and they were spending all day and you could take the time to sit and chat and have these conversations and, and not just, you know, see a beautiful bike, but understand what, what, what mindset went into building it. And I really enjoyed that aspect of this show. And maybe that's why I'm saying it's possibly my favorite yet. Having gone to, you know, what am I at? Seven or eight of these. Um, you know, it's, this was a really cool show. Um, very personable. A lot of good bikes, uh, you know, awesome venue. It really felt like it was back at the roots, but bigger than the Pickle Factory. So you kind of got this big open room full of people and bikes and, and a community of motorcyclists and motorcycles. I mean, what, what, right? What's not to love about, about a large community of bikes and bikers? I mean, it, it was great. No, I heard from others that uh, it was one of the best, if not the best to your point, uh, one motor show, so, or the one show. So it was uh, very, uh, very awesome to hear. Glad you got to make it. Uh, definitely a little shoddy that you weren't able to spend more than a, you know, a couple hours in there. Um, but at least you had space. That's one of the things that I enjoyed with going to the motor show, um, at least in the pickle factory when I was able, when I went uh, in the morning and they were just setting things up, like there was space to move around and to look at the events. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, a lot of the builders weren't there, uh, or at least around their bikes at the time when we were uh, running around. But we got to, we got to talk to quite a few, and you can listen in on that old episode if you're interested in seeing uh, who we we're able to talk to and and uh, what took place. But um, anything else that you you thought that was just pretty awesome? I mean, did, were they like ushering people out, or was it more of like an honor system that when your time was up, you left? People were were amazingly respectful of the plan. I mean, I don't think anybody wanted to have it shut down, right? We didn't want to cause a problem because I, you, you and I have been close enough to this, you know, without actually being part of the development to know that, you know, that the CC motors and Ford, they really put in a ton of work. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure that at this point it's a profitable event or they wouldn't keep doing it, but I don't think anybody's, you know, getting rich off of this show. Um, and I think that it's it's something more for the community and obviously advertising and, and respect for that, for CC and everything that they do. Um, but it's a lot of effort. Nobody really wants that to stop because it is now, right, uh, you know, a huge, huge tradition. I mean, this has been going for, for what, 12 years now. Um, and it was only supposed you know, to go for 10. Yeah, it was supposed to. I mean, the original plan, and, and if you look at everything going on, you know, year eight, year nine, as it was a 10-year game, and, and it just keeps going. And I don't think anybody's complaining because it still has that feel of a really raw, really honest motorcycle build show. You're not just getting your Roland Sands customs. And you still get those. You still get those flawless, really high-priced customs. But you also got, you know, Bob down in downtown Portland is building in his one-car garage, um, you know, or building it in a shed in the backyard, right? Absolutely, and the, yeah. That's what really brings the one show to be something that that's that's awesome, is you get such a good variety of you know, hey, I might be able to do that versus, wow, maybe someday I'll have enough money to do this, <laughs> and and it really just you know, it, I don't know, it, it's just a good event. I highly recommend. You know, I I'm hoping next year it'll happen. I'm guessing if it happened this year, 
than it will happen next year, right? I got to assume that it'll be a little easier to put on and, and arrange and, and go through all the hoops to make it happen next year. Um, so, you know, if you haven't made it, especially if you're in the Northwest, you got to make a shot down to the one show, totally worth it. Um, and, you know, to that point as well, I think you and I will, will work hard to, to make sure we're there a bit more um, as it rolls into more of a normal cadence so we can get those interviews and those conversations and, and really bring a lot more to, uh, to the experience. Yeah, yeah, no, we're going to have our, we're going to be, we're really pushing to get a lot more um, press coverage and, and passes to get into these events and have a little bit more access. Uh, one for us, because I'd, I'd love getting a little bit better access, but as well as being able to provide the content that is potentially uh, even more unique than just uh, looking at the highlight reel. No, I think that's a, a perfect point. You know, we don't, uh, if no, nobody should be, uh, I think at this point, podcasting has been around long enough that everybody realizes it's not a, a business uh, that, that makes anybody money, but there are some cool opportunities. And some of that is our opportunity to, to have these experiences and share them. And so, you know, let us know what we're going to try to, to really this year. There's a lot going on, a lot of irons in the fire. Um, I actually had an opportunity to, to work this weekend with, um, with Cascade Moto, uh, which was really cool about, uh, you know, about working with them a little more on test rides and, and things like that from a Triumph perspective. Oh, uh, awesome. So we're hoping that some of that pans out. I know I'm kind of jumping the gun by mentioning it here on the air, but but that was one really cool thing that that, uh, that we've seen with, with the one show and other the other motorcycle community events is we can really build, uh, you know, build, build it up for everybody, right? When we all move forward, we all win. So that, that's one really cool opportunity I love about doing this. Absolutely. But yeah, on that, on that note, I mean, really, we, we appreciate all everybody to follow with us. Appreciate all of the uh, the support we've received. Uh, really thankful for uh, for all the slackers that have come with us on these these different events or written us. Uh, you know, your thoughts, your reviews. Uh, you know, please make sure that you're sharing this out as we're uh, we're really trying to push this forward to try to make some more community experiences for everybody. Um, that similar to our conversation about CC and. And Thor that's running it there, you know, that, that, that comes at a certain cost of, of time and, and effort. Um, but to that point, uh, there have been a few changes with regards to this month's rides and situations. So please keep an eye on Facebook and Instagram for this month's ride. It will likely be the 29th now, uh, just due to some family emergencies on my side. I won't get any more specific than that. Um, but some things needed to, uh, to adjust accordingly. So keep an eye out. We'll post all of that, and uh, otherwise, make sure, uh, yeah, make sure to follow and, and listen uh, listen to our previous One Moto show. Uh, compare that to, to how this one turned out, and you may find it's better or the same. It's up to you, really. Nonetheless, appreciate it, and have uh, have an awesome couple weeks. Until next time, ride on. Mm-hmm.